The scripture reading today is Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. Once, when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest, and as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing, for a testimony to them. But now, more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. In the TV series, The Office, United States version, of which I am a big fan, it's right up there with Parks and Rec, that I preached about a couple of weekends ago. Um, in the last season, there is an episode wherein Jim who is married to Pam, feels particularly indebted to her, wants to do something nice for her. And upon realizing that there are alleged safety issues in their office, vows to push it to the limit, forcing the office to close down for a whole week for repairs, thus giving his wife and all the other people in the office a much-needed week off from work. Dwight, their co-worker, and also the owner of the office building, instead thwarts Jim's plans by offering up a work bus, which is exactly as ridiculous as it sounds. A Greyhound bus retrofitted with desks and workspaces, with everyone crowded together, stepping on each other, talking over each other, too much noise, no elbow room, and ultimately when someone comes over and opens one of those overhead bins um, to get paper, all of the paper flutters out and spills onto the floor, knocking Pam's coffee all over her shirt. And Jim apologizes profusely to Pam that this is not at all what he had intended. He just wanted to get her a week off. She's a full-time working mom of two. And Pam says, well, you know what they say, a change is as good of a rest, as she's like dabbing her shirt and trying to find her space again. Well, you know what they say, a change is as good of a as a rest. Um, is it, though? I'm, I'm skeptical. So what do I do when I am skeptical? I go to Google. While some sources cite Sir Arthur Conan Doyle quoting this phrase in the 1890s, literarydevices.net 
says that this proverb originated during the Victorian era, published in a magazine called, get this, Christian Gleaner and Domestic Magazine, as far back as the 1820s. Wording it more like, a change in work is as good as play. <laughs> Truthfully, I went digging and digging, looking for the articles that people might have written to say, what a sham this saying is. I was thinking, man, if I was to go back to school, I would do like a PhD project on the origin of this saying and its implications for our world. But I didn't find much. Unfortunately, I found a couple of people saying, that's right. I did find one 2013 UK mom's blog that said for her, most changes in her family's life leave her as the one that manages everyone else's stuff and anxiety, like moving house or children starting school. Rarely, she said, had change felt restful since she was just trying to survive motherhood. And the feminist in me wonders why Christian Gleaner and Domestic Magazine needed to tell women this at all. A change is as good as a rest. Is it so that in the Victorian era, when many women worked in the home, that others didn't want her to be idle because she might get ideas? But I digress. I do know that as much as I want to buck against this saying, I have something in me that doesn't want to appear lazy or slovenly ever. I'm a busy person. I know I battle the voices in my own head that say, sure, you could take your day off, or you could get something done. You could be productive. You're a busy professional. What are you thinking taking time off? Do you ever hear those voices in your own mind? They say, you could sit down or you could mow the lawn, right? Thomas Merton, a spiritual writer, an American monk, once wrote, the rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to just surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone and everything is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of the activist neutralizes his work for peace. It destroys her own inner capacity for peace. It kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Being busy is violent. As we wrap up our sermon on self-care, where we've looked at different stories from Jesus' life and what we might glean for them as acts of self-care, 
We remember that the first week we learned about the story of Jesus' baptism. And we were taught to love ourselves as we are God's beloved children. The next week, we learned about the story of Jesus' rejection at Nazareth. And we remember that we can let ourselves fail. Even Jesus failed. And that we can be gentle with ourselves as we learn from our experiences. Last week from the story of Jesus at Cana at the wedding, we learned that whether we want to be or not, we need to connect with others and the creation of community. And today we learn that Jesus took intentional time away from work, and we should too. So I'll put our little mirror reminder over here. Love yourself. Let yourself fail. Connect with others. Rest. And this idea of rest, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, us as Christians, least of all. It's a structure built into the very creation of the world. That as God completed God's work, God rested. And then later in Exodus, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, God made it pretty explicit in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Honor the Sabbath. Pause. Rest. Cease consumption. Stop producing. Be. I know that at times I can be pretty good at the stopping the producing part, right? By sitting down and binge watching episodes of The Office. But that's still doing something, isn't it? There's something about the resistance of Sabbath or the idea of Sabbath as resistance to the world that says no more producing, no more consuming. Because Sabbath is more than just sitting on the couch. It's about more than just us. And what we might do to numb our minds to the work that we have to do or the life that we live. I have quoted Lauren Winner for you before. She is um, a Christian who grew up in the Jewish tradition, and she writes a book called Mud House Sabbath. And in her section in that book on Sabbath, she says that the problem with the current Sabbath vogue is the fallacy of the direct object. Whom is the contemporary Sabbath designed to honor? Whom does it benefit? Why, the bubble bath taker herself, of course. But the Bible suggests something different. In observing the Sabbath, one is both giving a gift to God and imitating God. The commandment makes it clear the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a benefit to God. And the side benefit to you. 
Nothing about true rest signals laziness or sloth. There is inherent worth in reconnecting with our spirit and with God's because from that flows the energy and compassion for the next action. In a little book that actually Nancy Leonard handed me before this sermon series about compassion and about meditation, author Gail Straub writes that resting and nurturing my spiritual practice is a gift not just to myself, but also to all the people that I care about in my life, my family, my colleagues, and my friends, all benefit from my rest. Self-care can be a lot of things. But I think what I've heard in these stories throughout the last four weeks is that true and meaningful self-care helps us re-engage with our inner being and with our creator. True rest calms the busyness and the endless drive to do in order for space to be cleared for God's work in us. So this week, I pray that you find some moments of true rest. Turn off the phone, the podcast, the TV, whatever it is that's distracting you. Put away the work, the lawnmower, the laundry. Find stillness. And without going to sleep, Truly connect with your heart and with your spirit and with your God. Soothe the violence of busyness with just a little bit of inactivity. And in that, I believe that our rest will be as good as change. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.